0: what is up y'all kevin coon here from athlete factors this is the athlete factors podcast and i'm here with probably the best roommate i've ever had
1: (laughs) best and worst
0: not worst definitely not worst oh man that's that's a rough roommate right uh joshua moeller josh how's it going going good good day today yes it's uh it's a little overcast and a little rainy here in Dallas. How's the weather in Austin?
1: We had a storm this morning, but it's it's bright and shiny now. I'm looking out my my like panoramic
0: windows and it's just beautiful out. Good nice, day. excellent. So, um, you and I were roommates, freshman and sophomore years of college at Cedarville right. University. That's right. Um, we met the previous summer. Mm-hmm. At a good old summer studies. We each other what that's 11 years 12 years it's a long time it's crazy yeah so at the time uh I don't even know if we had talked about our majors and then we ended up kind of doing the same thing so um funny how life works out
1: well, I started off as a nursing major and then went mm-hmm. to training for a couple of years so it's, it took me a while to get to where you were you're just so far ahead Kevin. So I kind of
0: I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do from the get-go. Yeah. So that – and I don't think I knew that you could, like, change majors. Like, I knew that people did that, <laughs> but I wasn't sure, like, I could do that. Right. So I was like, oh, I already picked. I guess I'm this is what I'm doing. Good. I guess yeah. this is – yeah. So – but, um, no, I kind of had an idea of what I was going to do, sort of, in a roundabout sort of way. So yeah. – but, yeah, I remember – freshman year you were working on uh uh was it like emt classes or
1: yeah and yeah. so just developed from there to kind of i realized nursing was not where i wanted to be athletic mm-hmm. training hours are horrible
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so i ended up actually after graduating exercise physiology um in cardiac rehab so i was doing like post surgical rehab for 10 years which makes me feel really old um but then finally a year ago transitioned i'm actually this is like a backward step for a lot of people but now i'm working as a personal trainer in a gym um managing operating a a gym here in austin so it's an opportunity to present itself and it's impossible to say no to it's been a, a really cool experience
0: that's awesome so yeah like you said a lot of people would view that as a as a step backwards but if you're stepping into a position where you get to kind of run the show then it's that's (laughs) yeah that's definitely not a backward step so um in the in the personal training industry where just about anywhere you start you're going to be on the on the bottom rung with very very limited uh advancement potential there the the profession of personal trainer for most people is a very uh, temporary thing just because right. it's, it's
2: just a,
1: a stepping stone to get somewhere else. But yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of people understand that if you do it right, it can definitely be a, a permanent and a, a smart move to make.
0: For sure. Yeah. It's nice. One of the one of the pros of being a personal trainer that a lot of people um, kind of... When you're starting out, it's not a pro. It's very much a con. Your schedule stinks.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: it's not fun because if you're just starting out, then you get all the hours that nobody else wants. So mm-hmm. um, you usually work a split shift, maybe even three shifts, and um, that stinks. But like once you're pretty well established, then you get to pick your schedule, which is really, really nice. So. Yeah.
1: My schedule has, was fantastic, but then COVID hit, and mm. uh, 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. today, just people gapped out all the way through. So I've, I've got plenty of paperwork and other stuff to do, but it's,
0: it's, been, it's been a challenge. A little slow? Yeah. <laughs> I know how that is. So tell us a little bit about yourself as far as um, academics. We kind of covered that a little bit, but you can get yeah. into that a little bit more um athletics and uh also kind of what you're doing now professionally in a little more detail
1: so like
0: you said um
1: i was at cedarville four-year degree exercise and sport science um, graduated with i think a psych minor um so that's believe it or not really helpful as a personal trainer too
0: mm-hmm.
1: and delve into you know what's what's going on people in their minds um, because more than anything, you know, people out here are getting out of aggression and it's, you're going to be getting into a little bit of their, their feelings and emotions too. And, <laughs> you know, and to be able to, to know how to handle that has been really helpful. Um, and then like I said, sp- spent 10 years after uh, graduating, working in a hospital environment, um, clinical setting, in the hospital, um, even in like rehab clinics, uh, doing post-surgical rehab, mostly for heart patients. Um, everything from mechanical implanted hearts to uh, heart transplants um, to just you know stents little tiny barely even procedures Mm -hmm. Uh, and that experience I think more than anything set me up for watching healthy people work out it's it's been really interesting graduating from people who literally can't get out of bed to people who you know are, are squatting 600 pounds it's, it's such a, a, a big change. <laughs> it's, it's been really interesting trying to change that programming. You know, I'm used to working with TheraBands and people being, you know, being able to lift their own limbs, and now they're doing so much more. Um, so I transitioned about a year ago, actually almost exactly a year ago. So June of last year to working in a, it's actually a high intensity, um, like super slow gym here in Austin, kind of a, a mm-hmm. boutique type place. Mm-hmm. I have four trainers here with us. Um, and then we also have a, a rehab element in cryotherapy here. Um, and it's, it's been a go- my goal is to build this up to a point where I can uh, franchise it. So open up a
0: second location and kind of build it up from there. Nice. That's where we're at. Gotcha. So with all the variety in,
2: uh,
0: in the fitness industry, let's say, where you can you can go to the extremes of power lifting, right? You could go to like West Side Barbell in Columbus and train with Louis Simmons to to just get maximal strength. Or you can go to um a boot camp where there's it's outdoors, there's no equipment and everything is a little more uh plyometrically focused or calisthenics. Um, you've got everything in between, right? You've got water aerobics, you've got Jazzercise, you've got curves, you've got um, CrossFit. And, right? Yeah, it's, it's crazy, the spectrum, and, and there's money yes. for everything, too. For sure. So um, you mentioned a little bit about this being a high-intensity, mm-hmm. super-slow training uh, facility. So tell us a little bit about... Um, about your your experience with that type of modality let's say before you started working there yeah and and then you can kind of transition into
1: literally i mean even through a degree in exercise sports science i had never heard of walking into the doors of this place for an interview never heard of super slow or high intensity strength training or science-based training some people call it when they're really into it um had no idea what I was getting into. Walked through the door and I thought it was a scam because it thing <laughs> was, you know, full body workout in you know 25 minutes or something like that. And I'm like, that's, mm-hmm. that's not possible. Like, you, you might be able to, to get you know, a little bit of work done, um, but my my interview literally consisted of a a training session. So I sat down with the the current the manager at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And after a regular interview, we went through and, and did I think four different exercises. And I was beat. And I, I mean, I've never been in fantastic shape. And that's just the way life goes. But I mean, it was it was a tough workout. I mean, after doing, you know, free weights for six months, I came in here and in four moves was toast. Yeah. And it's It was really strange to be in that environment where I had never heard of this. And yet it was it seemed like black magic a little bit.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Pretty well
1: established,
0: and if it's so yeah. well established, then exactly why, why wouldn't we know anything about
1: it? History is, I mean, back in '84 is when this really started to make a break. I mean, there's there's whispers of before that, but um, you know they started doing like in in in-house studies basically they would have laboratories set up and had people coming in and testing this and they're actually taking measurable data looking at strength and testing for osteoporosis and improving osteoporosis which is the main intention of this initially Mm -hmm. Uh, and then over time it just developed into a a very quick very thorough way to work out
0: sweet yeah yeah so give us the the basic gist of what is super slow training like are we talking about just uh eccentric isometric concentric uh time limits or like what what is, what all is involved so what what we do here and
1: so uh, there's a, a book that we kind of base the general premise of our our gym off of it's called renaissance of exercise um, and we we have isometric exercises uh, but they're never um, high intensity stuff. so you're not gonna like blast out at 100% effort right out the gate mm-hmm. it's in some form or fashion like slowly climbing up um, to 100% effort um, but the majority of what we do is a uh, we call it a 10 10 mm-hmm. cadence which is a, a 10 second concentric and 10 centric 10 second eccentric movement mm-hmm. um, which is a lot slower than you might realize. Yeah, um, 20
2: I'll...
0: full seconds for one rep.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a full set if it's done right is done in about a, a minute and a half to a minute and 40 seconds. Um, and the goal is to have the weight heavy enough that in one in that time frame you reach muscle fatigue, and they call it momentary muscle fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um, The other key thing along with going super slow is that you're not letting your muscles rest. Um, So you're consensually, you're recruiting sequentially, that's the word, sequentially recruiting muscle fibers, starting with slow twitch and leading up to fast twitch. Mm -hmm. Uh, And once you recruit those fast twitch muscles, your, your body starts kicking into like a fight or flight type mode where it's releasing all these hormones and they're they're your body saying we need to stop this like something's wrong i can't beat whatever this is
2: mm-hmm.
1: to push through that so people will either drop the weight and be done or they'll you know, kind of hulk up and like you know with the chest press just finish it out yeah it's like you know, beat the machine yeah uh, and the goal is to kind of enter like a zen mode and say this is miserable but the more I push into it, the more I can endure this pain and this fight-or-flight kind of panic, the stronger I'll be next time I come back. Hmm. Um, so my goal as a trainer is to get someone to, to reach that point of failure at about a minute and a half of that, that set. And then after that, we you know, put the weights down and move on to the next machine. So it's, it's one set. I mean, in most cases, one set and done.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So my, my first exposure to high-intensity training Which came long, long before high intensity interval training, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people may not understand. There's a huge difference. Like high intensity training is absolutely nothing at all uh, in resemblance to high intensity interval training, right? So my first exposure to high intensity training, I think, was maybe 2010, 2011, when I heard this concept going around and it had, it had been around long before that, but that's when I was first exposed to it. And it was essentially, you, you get to the point where you're, let's say you're going to squat and you're just going to squat. I forgot what the specifics were, but it was, it was maybe around 70 to 80% of your predicted one RM or your tested one RM. And then you're going to get as many reps of that as you can. And when you fail, then you're done with that exercise and you don't revisit that exercise again until you're not sore. So right. the idea was for people who had never done it, they're like, well, I can do one set to failure and then I, I won't be sore. So I, I can do another set. But it's like, yeah, but that's different because you're you have to be so keyed in for that one singular set that you're actually working to fatigue.
2: Right,
1: yeah, what I tell people, it's usually that the time where you would quit in a normal gym environment, we're pushing at least 30 seconds past that.
2: Mm.
1: A lot of times, if people aren't able to get past that point, like to say, oh, no, I'm done, and I can tell they're not done, I will help them with um, the cons- concentric. Make, mm-hmm. it Make them lower it, yeah. Um, and, and help them get to fatigue that way because, you know, once they can't hold that weight up anymore,
2: mm-hmm. they
1: know that they've hit fatigue. Yeah. Um, so, or we'll end in isometric and just have them hold the weight, you know, say, okay, hold it right there. Don't move for 10 seconds. You know, yeah. you're going to hit failure doing it that way. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you're, you're digging so deep that if, if you're not sore for at least two days afterwards, you've done it wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... The idea seems so simple and so basic for people who've never tried anything like that that they're like, mm, that's easy. That doesn't make any sense. Why it would be helpful? Because one set of anything is a waste of time. Like, right. if you look at if you look at you know uh, research on power output that you know in Olympic lifting, like that may not happen until the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth set. Like, this is such a waste of time to do one set, but um, there's a whole lot of variables that aren't being considered here, like time under tension. If your entire goal is, is to increase strength, not maximal strength, where you're, you're, you're the risk-to-reward ratio it, when you're looking at increasing strength is you can get really strong without having to work anywhere remotely close to your 1RM. And then your risk for injury is much, much lower. So for, you know, most people who aren't training to do something at max effort, like a power lifter or uh, Highland Games or Strongman or anything like that, um, there's not as much reward for lifting close to that one RM. So,
2: for so that,
1: you, the average person, there, there's no reason to to push yourself to that point, especially if you're not ever going to in in life need to hit that point. So to to take a, a, a reduced weight and take that to failure, and this is just trying to find the fastest way to get your body to failure at a lighter weight is really that's simply what what we're doing here. Not allowing that muscle to rest, and so we're getting to failure as quick as we can.
2: Mm-hmm. So you're
1: benefit of that muscle failure without the risk of the heavy weight
0: yeah I think like that cannot be overstated how how much safer it is even though it feels probably when you're about to fatigue like like this is very unsafe but, but it's the like
1: part is I mean
0: once you're so close
1: to fatigue it doesn't matter how hard you push you can give 100 percent effort you can act like a power lifter and try to drive that weight and the muscle is just so far fatigued that you're not you don't have enough power to hurt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so dead and you're you know i'm, I'm trying to, to curl 50 pounds mm-hmm. it doesn't matter you know how hard i try to curl 50 pounds i'm fine yeah and everything you do here is machine based for the most part um so it, even if i drop the weight you know it's not gonna lay my foot so i, I can't even break a toe doing this kind of exercise gotcha so it's very safe
0: i know one of the one of the fathers of this movement is the guy who started nautilus so do you guys use nautilus equipment
1: so we use a, a branch of Nautilus called MedX, um, and it's the, the same guy um, in the lab. It was Nautilus equipment, but they, like I said, took it into a laboratory and started doing testing. So this is their official, like, testing equipment. Um, medical exercise, MedX. Um, so yeah, we, we do use that branch of equipment, and something else that's another iteration beyond that called Renaissance exercise or Renex equipment. Uh, yeah so that's it's all the 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 true form like back from the 1990s equipment sitting in here Mm -hmm. still
0: still gets the job done for sure gotcha so here's where um I think it's really important to distinguish like what we've touched on a little bit but let's go a little bit deeper where where is the practical application here so who's this going
1: to be best for? So this is best for, like you mentioned, first and foremost, for people who are not trying to, to work or have strength at peak performance. So I, I'm not trying to you know, break any world records. I'm not trying to explode out of the blocks. Um, and, and that's, I mean, we can get into a little bit, but this mm-hmm. in sports-specific training might be a different thing. Um, but this is ideal for your average person who – Wants to be fit, wants to be healthy, and especially the average person who doesn't have time to spend like an hour, hour and a half in the gym, you know, three to five times a week.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, like you said, you know, you're you're not going to work out that muscle group until you're not sore again. So most of our people are just coming in here twice a week. So we're doing a full body workout and then waiting two to three days until they're they're recovered, and then doing the same thing over again. So we're, we're kind of waiting for full recovery before you try to fatigue those muscles all over again so people who don't have time are are typically people that that enjoy and, and get the most benefit out of this kind of exercise
0: gotcha so um because of the the uh the muscle principle of said specific adaptations to impose demands right like doing this type of training is probably not going to help your vertical jump or or your so personally
1: i I, we have a a mat here where you can jump and it measures time vertical Mm -hmm. and my my vertical after having done this for four months five months was terrible (laughs) just i mean that's not what i'm focused on if you're doing a, a super slow squat you know taking 10 seconds to get to full extension you're not going to be able to to jump high i mean you'll have the strength to the potential mm-hmm. is but the like you said the specific adaptation is not there right um, so yeah absolutely yeah it's something that that if you're looking for explosive power this is not the way to train it
2: mhm
0: so i think uh mentioning that like this people tend to just get very very uh like brand loyal to a specific type of exercise. And then the assumption is, Oh, well it's good for everything. Like I know a guy who all he does is like focus on mobility and he says, it's good for everything. It's like, well, no, it's not. (laughs) If you just do powerlifting, that's great. That's going to increase your maximal strength, but I doubt it's going to make you faster than somebody in a 40 yard dash. Right. you know like I, I or a hundred yard dash or whatever the case may be um, there's specific adaptations t- based off the way that you're training like the body will respond to the stimulus that you put it through so um, for people who who want to increase strength but who don't want to be in the gym forever this sounds like a really good modality for for that Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
1: it, most of the people that come through here, this is what they do for strength training, and then they'll mm-hmm. own you know, they they do running, or cycling, or some sort of cardio, and that's the, those those two things combined kind of get them where they want to be physically. Uh, but to your point, you know, people that are kind of stuck in like the, this is this is what I do and nothing else. Mm-hmm. I, so I mentioned a book, Renaissance of Exercise, then kind of what we follow here. The guy that wrote that book um, had a chapter. I think I told you this the other day on the phone had a a, a chapter where he went through every type of exercise like he went through yoga went through step aerobics went through i mean crossfit i mean everything and said why this super slow style exercise was superior and why you didn't need that other type of exercise (laughs) literally name a a style of exercise i can tell you what he says about it well i can't tell it from memory but i I can find where he says this is you know here's
2: why
0: it sucks
1: so much better than this and this is why Wow. It's it's just crazy that people have I mean, good for them, that much belief in, in something like this, but it <laughs> did to expand the horizons. I actually listened on my way into work today, I listened to your first episode and your whole concept, like taking all these parts of sports fitness and, and bringing them together. I mean, if you can't do that with one form of strength training to say that, you know, this is just a piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. This is gets you you know, 100% of your ability exposed through this one one type of training, then you need to to open your mind because there's so many things out there that might be equivalent, if not better.
0: Thank you for listening to that episode. I think I finally have one person who's listened to it. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one is probably my worst episode, so. It was it was short though, so you know it, it excels in, in some points. It it had to be because I was like <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say and. <laughs> I hope a year later things are a little bit better. There you go. Well,
1: i um, am and, and listen to a recent one. I haven't been caught up. I've, I've listened to like the ones that interesting titles. I'm like oh that's the one. I'm gonna listen to that one. So kid, I'll have to go
0: listen to last week's and see what you had to say. Sweet. Eh, it was okay. It was alright. <laughs> <laughs> the ones where I'm solo, I don't think R is entertaining. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. Some people might like that. I just feel like, eh, got to keep the ball rolling. And, and you're
1: sitting there all day long listening to yourself in your head. You don't want to listen to yourself even more talking on on your podcast. That's true.
0: That's very true. So one thing that you mentioned is viewing specific types of training as like pieces to the puzzle or as uh, um, I like to view them as tools in a toolbox, right? So when I'm focusing on improving the quality of my athletes, I want as robust a toolbox as possible, but not so big that I don't know how to use any of the tools that, that I have at my disposal. So I think, Um, Early on in my career, I was very guilty of putting all of these different tools in my training and everything being too spread out or too random that everything looked cool. My clients enjoyed that type of training because it was always something different and always was always challenging, but maybe there wasn't quite enough direction. I wasn't consistent enough with certain things to actually extract the value of, of some of those things. So in grad school, uh, one of my mentors, uh, their doctor, uh, not a doctor yet. Um, wow. Going crazy here. Charlie Melton. He's the, uh, strength coach for Baylor men's basketball. And he developed this, uh, way of training that he called force velocity training, which is based off Uh, or, or five zone training which he developed off of the force velocity curve where he basically theorized that hey there's all these different muscle contraction styles and if i'm not utilizing and training all of them then there's aspects of muscle contraction and the nervous system that my athletes aren't going to be exposed to so they won't be able to to do certain things on the basketball court when they need to. So the the need for that, they won't have that in in their personal toolbox. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's times where you need to increase maximal strength and you need to exploit maximal strength on the basketball court or not necessarily maximal strength, but closer to that end of the spectrum. But then on the opposite end of the spectrum, like if you're jumping up for a ball, that's, you know, that's essentially plyometric, that's just body weight. So, um, but if you don't want to get pushed around on the court, then you can't just train plyometrics. You, you need to have a little mass. You need to be able to, uh, to show that, you know, you've got some strength. So you, you want to hit a lot of spots on that force velocity curve, not just one spot. So, um, I think this high intensity training or the super slow training, is on that force velocity curve. And so because of that, I think it's a really important tool or skill to know and understand so that it can be utilized, um, to make athletes better. So it's not just for people, um, who don't want to be in the gym for an hour, an hour and a half and who only want to train twice a week. Like, yes, it's for them for sure. But I think there's definitely a time and place for athletes and, uh, A lot of people are probably not going to like that because people don't want to train super slow. But um, I'll give you an example of how I use this sort of training. And and it's not so much on the concentric muscle contraction, but when I'm re-teaching or teaching someone for the first time how to squat – Yeah. I'll have them in that eccentric phase as long as possible so that they get comfortable uh, under load, lowering yeah. their body to the ground. So yeah. So I think well, that's super helpful.
1: What I realized, so I got to the point with free weight, weights, so I was able to squat, I think, just short of 300 pounds. And then started learning about this style of exercise and went back out to the gym and said, okay, well, I'm going to take my, my free weights, my, my Olympic barbell set, and try to do a super, super slow squat. You know, I just figured, no big deal, right? Just go slower. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I had to bring it down, I think, to, to 75 pounds before I could complete a repetition. Yeah. And it, you don't realize, especially when you're down deep, how much momentum is driving what you're doing.
2: Mm-hmm
1: what you do with super slow is you remove momentum from the equation. Like you're not able to skip past a weak spot. You're literally having to drive through that every single, you know, point of that muscle in that contraction is, is being tested. And so there's no weak spots anymore because you're training them all up. For sure. But the the downside was, you know, after being in here and for for six months training super slow, then going back to the, the gym, trying to lift free weights, I didn't have any of those stabilization muscles anymore. Because mm-hmm. I've been on closed chain machines for six yep. months. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, muscles that I hadn't touched in six months were were getting me. You know, so the main movers were moving no problem. Mm-hmm. Stabilizing after that was, was a, a pain. Like it, it, it
0: just weren't. <laughs> doing what just doing anymore. They just weren't conditioned for that yeah
1: no it's that's like what it's i mean the same same thing like if you don't train those muscles they're not going to do it when you call them to they're they're going to be like no this is not what we do we hang out while the big ones move and exactly
0: enjoy it <laughs> yeah. that's too funny but yeah that's uh that's that's one of those things if uh if you're only on machines then you're gonna get really good at machines if you're only on barbells you're gonna be good at barbells if you're only training body weight you're gonna get really good at body weight like where the the whole functional fitness movement came out like well let's do something that you do in
1: life and and mimic it and get strong that way
2: Mm -hmm.
1: for people just wanting to be strong in everyday life that totally makes sense now to, to do that and decrease the risk of injury doing it i think is is the biggest problem because it's the way we do things functionally is not necessarily the, the safest way to do them. I mean, the way people pick up something from the ground is not the way we were intended to pick up something from the ground, bending over and trying to, try to deadlift you know, yes. groceries rather than doing a squat. You know, it's just our bodies aren't don't function the way they're supposed
0: to in a lot of cases. Oh, my goodness. That reminds me, in grad school, in a biomechanics class with my professor who had a PhD in biomechanics, he, uh, he did not lift weights, but he liked to play golf. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And, uh, (laughs) he told the class there's actually, uh, there's potential when it's actually better to deadlift something off the ground than to squat it. Like there's, there's one specific instance where there's a biomechanical advantage, but he couldn't really like explain it to us. He was just like, I know that the math exists and there's the (laughs) physics. And so there's times where it's actually better to like curve your back and, and like pick a box up depending on like, uh, how close it is to you. And I'm just like, uh, why don't you just move so that you're not, so close to it or not so far away and like if you're gonna deadlift you don't you'd want to be as close as possible to it but um like i just that it cracked me up because i was like okay like I, I understand what he's saying like like yeah. there will be some
1: <laughs> somewhere in your life where you will have to pick something up like this so you should probably train it but oh he wasn't even saying that oh man see that, that just doesn't yeah make sense. yeah That's... so yeah I'll... It's never going to be advantageous that way. It's never going to
0: happen. I don't think there's a practical instance where that's the case. Like there's times where I will deadlift something up off the ground because I like doing that more than I like squatting. So, but I'm still going to make sure that I'm not doing it in an unsafe way. Like, but if I'm picking up a box off the ground and it's a heavy box, I'm probably going to squat like it's just the way it is so if
1: i got a a pencil maybe five feet from me i'll probably deadlift that
0: just (laughs) go for it
1: you know (laughs) exactly it's
0: just easier that comes down to like what's more efficient in that in that time and in that place because the body wants to do whatever's the most efficient so if the body thinks you know what it's just gonna be easier to just hinge from the hip and pick that up then that's what your brain's gonna tell you to do
2: right
0: so i wouldn't always trust that brain though Hey, that the brains let me down a time or two. So I I feel you there. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of, this is relates back to one of the questions that I sent you. But, um, what are, what are some of the, what are some more of the pros and cons to super slow training as far as like if somebody who's never done it and they want to try it, Yeah. um, what can they expect to be pros? What can they expect to be some cons?
1: Yeah, I mean, cons I already mentioned a little bit. Like, you're not training necessarily functional stability type muscles um, and you're not going to have explosive performance.
0: Um, So you'd want to be doing something else in conjunction with that?
1: I would recommend, yeah. So to, to train, if you are out there and doing you know, God forbid CrossFit you know, one, one, <laughs> and doing your your kept ups and all your Olympic lifts, then coming here and training strength on a, a separate day, I think would be really advantageous. Mm. Um, the the benefit, the pro, the, the main pro, besides time, I think is the, the extremely low risk of injury. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of my commerce So we, I, I mentioned we have a cryotherapy machine. Um, the main way I utilize that to, to drive business is people come in here with injuries from some other form of training.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I tell them, hey, you know, come come back here. You know, let me train you once. I'll give you a free session. You know, try it out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And as hard as they've been tra- training, as good of a shape they're in, they're always blown away by how quickly I can make them fatigue.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, I mean, without fail, I've, I've had, you know, power lifters come in here and their bodies freak out because they're used to explosive movements and you get them, you take away momentum and tell them to do a squat. They've got nothing.
0: Yeah. Oh, that was, that was the other thing I was going to mention before when you were talking about how, when you're going 10 seconds and you're working through, you know, like essentially just about every muscle fiber, every motor unit is getting recruited there's no stretch reflex like almost all athletic movements require the stretch reflex for for power output for rate of force development like you want to stretch the muscle and then it contracts you know really forcefully and you're taking that completely out of the equation like that it doesn't exist so yeah people who are who are used to training that stretch reflex who bounce out of the bottom of a squat for example exactly.
1: that's exactly what i was gonna say it's so not can, there i just like hitting down there and bouncing back up that's yeah that's that's we can't do that so mm-hmm. the biggest mistake people make at first is in a little turnaround so when you hit the, the bottom of your your phase and you're switching from eccentric to concentric it's always a rush people always speed back up because they're used to trying to gather the momentum and trying to use that their force to their advantage and drive that mm-hmm. weight and to, to stop that pattern and say no you're just supposed to go the, the same speed the whole time barely let that weight touch don't rest at the bottom and keep right in, going into going to the next movement
2: mm-hmm.
1: and especially you know people who have trained in really any other kind of exercise struggle with that because when you start to fatigue especially that's the easiest way to get the next rep out if mm-hmm. the goal is the next rep then well, let me do whatever I can to recruit just whatever.
0: muscle through it
1: yeah um, so that's our, the, the thing I train people is our goal here is not a certain number of reps. Like literally in my gym, I don't count reps. I don't care how many you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm looking for is time fatigue. And that's just because I'm a trainer for the person training. I just want them to get to the point where they can't go anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't.
1: It takes them 30 seconds or it takes them five minutes. The goal is to, to, go until you literally fail like it's it's an interesting concept in a gym because failure is absolutely what we're trying to do Mm -hmm. like most places you you don't want to fail in whatever you're doing failure is our objective Mm -hmm. so you're, you're striving to push yourself beyond what you can physically do
0: yeah i think the idea of failure is an interesting concept in the fitness industry right now because it's for the past few years, it's been demonized completely, just because the thought was, at least for maximizing uh, power output and perhaps even strength. Like if you're if your whole goal is just to increase strength or increase uh, power for like Olympic lifting, let's say, then you'd want to avoid fatigue as much as possible because there's actually there's a point of diminishing returns and the closer you get to fatigue, then the less you're actually benefiting from, from your, from your training. So, but before that it was extremely popular within the bodybuilding community to, to go to fatigue, because if you weren't training to fatigue, then you weren't going to get as big as possible. That was essentially the idea. So if you were, if you're leaving gas in the tank, then you're leaving um, muscle hypertrophy, you know, out,
1: Yeah, you're you're not getting as big as you can if you're not pushing as far as you can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I think there's a shift away from that now. I've I've seen a few pretty influential people in the industry talk about how, you know, like there's you know, we shouldn't demonize anything completely. We should always figure out if there's any nuance and and you know, there could be a time and a place for fatigue. Like in athletics we train to fatigue pretty often. Like when I was running right we did workouts until you couldn't do it anymore
1: the end of football practice back in high school what do you i mean you do suicides you run until you literally can't run anymore and then you're done you know yeah. time the you come back you can do you know one extra another rest, rep you know, should be able to do more and more every single time
2: mm-hmm.
1: i think if you're not and, and to clarify so we, we i cut people off either at fatigue or at uh, breaking form so if someone's trying to do something like a, a basically a cheat if they're trying to cheat that weight up mm-hmm. that's the end because then you're no longer training the muscle that you're you're attempting to to train
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you're that's increased his risk of injury exponentially at that point if i'm, I'm doing a, a bicep curl and i'm leaning back and pulling and shrugging my shoulders you know yeah. it's, i'm not working my biceps anymore or mm-hmm. very am i working them? um but it's yeah it's important to to know what your goals are and understand, like you said, to, to don't write it off just because it's something that you think is bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, like fatigue could be a lot of different things. I mean, like in grad school, we talked about what causes fatigue and it could be peripheral nervous system fatiguing. It could be the central nervous system fatiguing. It could be an issue with, uh, Delivery of ATP or glucose or whatever energy system that you're utilizing, or it could be all mental, it could just be the body doesn't want to experience any more pain. So,
1: that conversation with one of our clients today because he has a, a recurring shoulder injury, and it's something that on, on an overhead press, like I can just tell mentally, he gives up, mm. and it, it's his fatigue point because I mean, it. As much as he tries, he can't push anymore, but it is his brain telling his body to stop because he's at risk of hurting that shoulder.
2: Mm.
1: And so it, there's there's a lot of instances where people are not discovering their full potential because they're worried about an injury. And even if it's an injury that's six years old and it's healed, and it's been taken care of, their body is still trying to protect that spot because it still feels it's weak.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: For sure, yeah. The uh, the mind can have a, a pretty strong memory when it comes to injury. And sometimes it doesn't want to <laughs> yeah. doesn't want to yeah. let go. Yeah.
1: Uh, people that come in here and like struggle with activating their pecs, and uh you know, because I've seen it enough. I'm like, you know, have you had any chest surgery? You had breast implants or whatever? And like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what it is i mean i can always yeah. guarantee your, your body at that time shut down and didn't want to to use that muscle because it's trying to protect your chest mm-hmm. so to try to do you know isolation movements and try to activate those muscles again is, is a str- struggle it's a, a long road but that's what we started doing you know finding out muscles that aren't functioning properly and isolating them and then trying to use them in compound
0: movements after that
2: mm.
0: that's the goal turn them on and then use them yeah so alright well let's uh let's transition away from that a little bit um if somebody's watching or listening right now and they're like hey I live in Austin how do uh how do they find you how do they get a session with you?"
1: yeah um easiest way is to, to check out our website um intense22fitness I don't think I ever mentioned the name of the business um intense22fitness <laughs> um dot com um We also have Intense 360 Cryo, which is kind of our cryo branch. Um, We're located in Westlake here in Austin, um, right off of 360 Highway. Um, But they can go to the website. There's plenty of ways to contact me there, or they can email me directly at josh at Intense2222fitness.com or give me a call. Um, All that stuff's on the website too.
0: Sweet. Awesome. And then if people want to – follow or yeah. do you have like instagram or anything instagram,
1: like that instagram we're at intense 22 fitness um we're on facebook same thing intense 22 fitness um i i have a twitter but i don't think anything
0: is posted on or you know, do i really use it <laughs> there you can follow me go for it there. you gotta have it man they say you know build it and they will come but <laughs> yeah, i don't thanks. know if
1: that applies yeah, we're just waiting on the, the Twitter following
0: to, to pop up. I don't know. <laughs> I hear that. So, um, I'll uh I'll ask my last question, and then I want to share a funny story from <laughs> from our uh All right. All our good old roommate days. Which one you're pulling back out? <laughs> so, what is something that everybody uh, watching or listening needs to hear right now? So I, I, I when you sent this email last night, I like
1: contemplated for a while, and I was talking about mine. um and realized that um, the main takeaway I think for principle is consistency.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's one of the things. Like, so just brag on you a little bit. I was reading through your book, um, and reading about nutrition and diet, and reading about, you know, reading about different types of exercise and all sorts of things, realizing that without consistency, without keeping something up, you really benefit from nothing. Uh, It doesn't matter what kind of exercise you do. I've been told there's no non-responder to exercise. So if you're doing some form of exercise, no matter what it is, you're going to get some benefit. Mm -hmm. If you don't continue that, if it's not a form of exercise you can't continue doing consistently, then there's really not going to be a lasting benefit. The same thing with diet. If you're not able to find a diet that you can follow consistently, then there's no purpose. Um, it's short-term benefit, but long-term it's going to probably net you loss. So consistency, I think, is my biggest
0: takeaway. Perfect. I love it. You got to have it. Just uh, that's it's one of those things. It's it's sometimes better to just stick with one thing, even if it's boring, but yeah. just commit to it. And, like, you will see a change. Like, there's times where, um, like, when I got a, uh, when I bought my uh, Airdyne bike,
2: yeah.
0: I was like, man, the people that I bought it from, I could tell, never used it. It, it was, like, it was maybe a year or two old. It was yeah. brand new. Yeah. They maybe had been on it twice. And I was like, man, if they had spent five minutes a day on this just five minutes like that's nothing three minutes one minute a day just one minute a day like that's nothing but if they had just committed to just a little bit of time every day like they wouldn't have sold it to me because they would have seen the benefit of it right you know like so yeah even if it's just one thing um i had on dr jose antonio a couple weeks ago and his advice was Pick one thing, and for for our conversation, he mentioned you know just for high school athletes, for high school endurance athletes, get a protein shake, have the protein shake every day that's all you have to do, and you'll see a huge benefit you'll see a big change from that like that's one thing you don't have to change everything you don't have to overhaul your diet you don't have to overhaul your training. The, the
1: interesting thing to me is people always when they get in, in the phases of their life when they're trying to improve. They change everything, mm-hmm. and it makes it so much harder to stick with that habit because everything is different. I found when it comes to diet, to be able to say, pick this one thing and make it something similar to something you're already doing. If you can trim, mm-hmm. you know, full sugar yogurt to, you know, to high fat, lower sugar yogurt. You know, just, just trying to change something to a healthier version of that cell, that that same thing. Yep. And then slowly make those changes, you're going to be a lot more successful
0: agree more
1: so following your your dietary principles I've noticed one it's, I told you this already it's impossible to get enough protein like I've really been struggling with that <laughs> potassium I, I, on so my fitness pal I've had the hardest time getting anywhere near the right amount of potassium based on like daily recommend allowances hmm. any idea any any nugget of wisdom?
0: Uh, I mean you could you could pick sorry, my my dog is napping right here. Can you hear him? No. He's, oh he's like sleep barking. Bring a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um you could pick foods that are quote unquote high in potassium. You could get a potassium supplement. Um I would I would probably go with an electrolyte supplement.
1: So, the, so potassium supplements i was reading up on it like because there's risk of heart arrhythmias they can't like fda says you can't have a certain number of milligrams of potassium you yep. so
2: know
1: trying to do like the natural like i literally had a banana sweet potato spinach salmon tuna all yesterday and, <laughs> still and couldn't hit it potassium supplement i took two potassium supplements at the end of the day <laughs> i was a milligram short
0: i'm like what <laughs> Like, how is it possible <laughs> you know what that's that's an instance where you're way better off getting your blood work done to see if you're consistently or chronically low yeah yeah because some people hold on like some people hold on to potassium better than others some people uh don't need to supplement as much some people don't need to supplement at all at all and then other people need to like it's you know, it's similar to, like, the idea of, of vitamin D. Like, some people so, are out in the sun enough, and they, they never need, to need a supplement.
2: Yeah.
0: And then if you live, like, in Ohio, then Where's you in the sun all the time, right? Yeah. Like, during the winter, you might need a supplement, you know? So. Yeah, and um, people think it's swimsuit weather. Exactly. Uh, never forget that. Yeah, that's one of the things about the about the electrolytes and micronutrients. Like, uh, either getting blood work done or uh, now you can do sweat tests and you can see like how much losing. of the electrolytes am I losing. So yeah. Yeah. it's one of those yeah. things. But I wouldn't personally, because I'm not a doctor, I can't like give medical advice. Yeah. I can only I can only give health. And fitness advice, if yeah. you will. So yeah. that's a that's a tough one. But um, in from my perspective, based off what I know, um, I'm not even going to say it because you know what? It's beyond my scope. I don't even know. Talk to you later. I would, yes. I would <laughs> get your blood tested, get your sweat tested, see if you're actually losing a lot. And if you're, if you're chronically low, and then if you are, talk to your doctor. All
1: right diagnosis from Dr. Kevin right there
0: that's right <laughs> so uh my story yes I, I'm so excited I, we probably talk about it like every single time we talk but um um i mentioned at the beginning that you were the best roommate and that's probably because we we never had an argument like not even once like we always got along like right. i can't i can't think of a single time where I was ever even mad at you. Well, like, not it, even uh, once. You've a uh, white queso. Yes, exactly. That's
1: so, as long as I feed you queso, you were happy.
0: Yep. Yes. In fact, the one, the one time, the only thing I could say that quote unquote bothered me, which <sighs> it didn't even really bother me because it was so funny, was. I'd have to wake up super early for morning runs because I was yeah. doing cross country mm-hmm. and you know, so I'd go to bed maybe at like nine 30, 10 o'clock cause I'd have to be up at five. Right. And you know, you'd come in the room. <laughs> I was already in bed. I was a normal college kid staying up. Until, you know, exactly. Cedarville curfew of 10 o'clock. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> you'd sit down, you'd open up your laptop, you'd turn on family guy, you know. You'd you'd uh, warm up some queso, and I'd just be laying there trying to sleep. The lights, all the lights would be on, and I'm like, ah, okay. So I'd like roll over, face the wall, and you'd come over and you'd open the window, <laughs> <laughs> which was right by my face, and then you'd rip my blanket off of me, and yeah. then you would open the refrigerator, like the little freezer area, scrape the ice off and then throw that on me and then throw the blanket back on I top just, of me. I desperately wanted somebody to watch Family Guy with me. That's really yep.
1: all it was. Yep. I had to go to those lengths just to come- <laughs> sit there and watch the <laughs> you know? That's how sad I was.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I would crack up the entire time because of how ridiculous it was. It was so funny. And then I'd be like, okay, like, let's have some queso I- and watch I- Family I- Guy. Feel-
1: I- long term is that when i would throw the ice in your bed and you wouldn't find a piece and you just like have a wet spot to sleep in <laughs> uh, i think the rest was easily changeable. you can close the window whatever yep. wet spot on the bed you know you can't really fix that quickly
0: No, oh, that's true I'm, so
1: I'm sorry kevin i'm so sorry
0: it's all good it's all good it's not like i was that amazing of a runner and you know that prevented me from pursuing my olympic dreams like it's maybe no big deal. maybe
1: maybe second place was always my fault
2: <laughs> it's because maybe.
1: Of late Family Guy Nights that that you were notorious was... for that always medal. always
0: one spot away from the wind because of you
1: I know holding you back
0: I'm sorry well it's too late to apologize can't take it back now I feel like that should be a song it should be somebody look into that Alrighty, y'all. Well, thank you so much for your time, Josh. Really appreciate it. It's always good to catch up. It's fun. And uh, next time I'm in Austin, I'll give this whole thing a oh uh, a little That's- a little try. See what it's like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've done uh, super slow eccentrics, but like I said, never never the slow concentric. So and when like I said when I teach people how to squat, like I'll put them, I'll set up a box and I'll have them hold a kettlebell. We'll do goblets. Maybe I'll have a band around their knees. And it's just like, Hey, as long as you can physically take to get down to the bottom, that's how long I want it to take. And it always helps. It always helps their form. Like it hasn't not helped yet. So I I know there's going to be, you know, some benefit to that but that 10 second concentric after the eccentric just sounds rough so
1: that concentric down deep in a squat burns so bad yeah that's the worst
0: i bet anyway y'all give it a try give it a try and if you have any questions reach out to josh and
2: uh yeah
1: even so, people that aren't in the austin area if they reach out to me again
0: josh and
1: 1022fitness.com i'm happy to, to look up and find something like a, most of the facilities that do super slow have the same thing where they give you a free session.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: email me and I can help you find some place
0: to, to go give it a try too. Perfect. All right, y'all. Well, you don't have any excuses not to try it. So give her, give her a go. Um, yeah. Alrighty y'all. Thanks for watching and listening. Tune in next week for the next episode. We will see you then. Adios. Bye.